0: Today I talked to a man named Kamarul, Kamarul Muhammad, to be precise. He's a man who started a drone company called Aerodyne that is in six short years, entered 35 markets, and is currently ranked number two in the world uh, today. He's a fascinating guy, this fellow Kamarul, not just because he's a traveller, photographer, uh, plane and drone pilot himself, but also because he's someone who's fascinated by human history, uh, astronomy, theoretical physics and of course technology. He's a man who also hails from Kelantan, and where, by his own admission. It's a state where the women work harder than men. And it's a state that is filled with entrepreneurs, which p- partly explains why he is the way he is. And so over the course of an hour, we talked about all kinds of things. Business, of course, life principles, business principles, yes. But also we talked about astronomy, black holes, robots, and UFOs. And of course, IPOs, because within a few short years, he will be coming, uh, becoming a public company. I hope you'll enjoy our chat. He's a good guy and a real asset to Malaysia. And if you enjoyed our podcast as much as I did uh, recording it, please do like, share and subscribe. In the meantime, stay safe and take good care of yourself. Enchik Kamarul Mohamad Erudine, it's a great pleasure, a great uh, honour to be talking to you. I've been reading about you for a long time and finally we are doing this. After having met virtually on one of the business conferences, so let's start at the start, right? And I want to get from you, who is Kamaru? Where does he come from? What's his hometown? You know, what did your parents do? What were your influences when you're growing up?
1: Well, I'm, I'm from Kelantan. You Kelantanese know, uh, have entrepreneurial blood in them. You know, uh, uh, my late dad, um, he just passed away just a month ago. Uh, my, my, oh. my late dad is also an entrepreneur. Uh, before that, he was in serving the nation, serving the country. He was in the military. Uh, my mom is uh, forever an entrepreneur. She's still an entrepreneur at her current age as well. Uh, you know, just like any Plantanese blood, right? So uh, my younger days, uh, I was at uh, MRSM. I was in MRSM Kota Baru. Uh, then I went to the UK. I spent 10 years in the UK, uh, and I came back. I joined Computer Associates, and after a couple of years, I couldn't hold it. Uh, again, I just need to do things my way, <laughs> basically. So I, I, I quit the corporate life, and I, but in the in the beginning, I, I was doing something else. Uh, I was doing at that time. I was really unsure what I wanted to do. So it, it's more of uh, uh, pursuing what I liked at then. You know, I, I'm I'm a man with uh, several histories, several past life, I would say. <laughs> so, so so when when I was in the UK, I was an auditor. You know, I was an auditor and then I was like, uh, in my second year, I was already auditing a uh, PLC over there. So it gave me great experience there. So I, I would say I have pretty good financial sense. You know? uh, but uh, by the time, after four years of doing it, I decided this is not for me. I, I, You know, I'm a risk taker. You know, I, I like to innovate. I like to think of new things. Uh, you know, that profession, you cannot make something out of nothing, basically, right? Uh, accounting and auditor, you know, it's for you. It's about governance and all <laughs> Right. So at that time, but then I, I realized that my, my interest lies in IT. Right, so I, I I did my master's in IT as well. So I came back. I joined CA. Uh, uh, at that time, the world second largest software company. Um, so I, I like it at that time. You know, I mean, I was doing uh, consulting basically uh, using our software. We work with uh, uh, even at that time, uh, Kasim Chan. Kasim Chan is like. Um, uh, Easy back in the day. Yeah, back back yeah. in the day. Back in the days, so, so we were doing consulting. Our clients are people like Petronas, Maybank and all that. So it was fun for a while because, it, because of my background. Oh, I forgot to mention. While I was in the UK, I did my pilot license too. I always have these uh, fascinations for flying. So, so I have my, my PPL then as well. So, so uh, my uh, passion has been flying. Uh, finance actually i still enjoy the finance side that's why this leads to us uh, already completing multiple m a's I, I like that part of finance you know <laughs> of, of uh, doing the uh, uh, you know uh, evaluating company doing the due diligence you know and, and then coming up with a value that, that's interesting to me uh, i' I'm, I'm i'm feeling very high every time i do that as well <laughs> so so far we have com- we have we have completed about, uh, seven eight m a's already and we have five in the pipeline now so that, that, that's that's the finance side of me. <laughs> I, I have another fascination as well. I'm a creative person as well. So I, I have a creative platform for, for a couple of years. I was uh, pursuing something that I like, which is photography. So that, that's the part where I've been traveling the world. I've been I, I've been to more than 100 countries. Uh, I, I was at that time pursuing uh, media work, basically. You know, I, I have my other business. The business is running. But I just love traveling. I mean... Uh, I get to go to the, uh, you know, the Swiss Alps, the French Alps. I went to all the way to uh, Alaska. I went all the way to Greenland and Africa. I, I spend a lot of time traveling. I spent two months in Russia, for example. So it, it's fascinating. You know? uh, so basically, I was like pursuing what I like. So I have that, and that's actually how I started with roads. So I was carrying my drones as well. Uh, well, uh, while doing this adventure, <laughs> right? Then, then uh, <laughs> I became a pretty good, decent uh, drone pilot as well. Uh, and and that's really just doing it for fun. And I mean, uh, um, I, I was feeling very happy. I mean, I was doing things that I liked at that time. Uh, you know, uh, photography, videography, and all that. Uh, but then um, there comes a stage in life. I said, "Oh, okay." Uh, the money was good, really. Money was good as well. Uh, but that that part of the uh, business is not something that I can scale, you know. If if you are dentist, right? I mean, you, you can't scale. You have to do your work yourself. I just like my business as well at that time. So, hence, a uh, realised was born. It's really a paradigm shift, or rather, a change of philosophy. If in the past uh, we were in the. Uh, pipeline business which means that if I want water I have to go uh, in in a bucket business I have to go and get the water myself <laughs> so then I, I, it was a conscious decision I, I want to go into uh, uh, um, you know building something new and and because of my experience in drone I, I came to realize and this is before it was even used uh, for industrial applications I mean I came to realize hey and this is my the IT side my 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 uh, the, the my fascination is in technology and all that I became to I came to realize that hey, we can do a lot more things rather than taking photos and videos. So we were one of the global pioneers actually using drones for industrial use. So we actually developed a new solutions to uh, manage projects. So I was with the CEO of one of the largest uh, property development in Malaysia at that time, you know, and he was telling me how uh, information comes to me two months too late, you know, information is actually two months later, and as a result, decisions that are made are based of of uh, based from information that is two months ago, right? <laughs> two months too late, lah, basically, right? So what we did was, okay, I told him, uh, Datto, why don't if I provide, develop a system for you, I give you a dashboard and I use our drone so that it gives you the visibility of what's happening inside. So we create the dashboard, we, we fit in the information uh, so that uh, basically your information, your decision making will be based on real-time data, basically. So that's what we did, right? So I started with one site and it grew to two it grew to four eight and within uh, less than 2 years we have like 50 sites around around the country uh doing this kind of solutions right and uh some of the largest uh, uh property projects in Malaysia we were doing it you know including rapid project in Pengerang that's actually a 40 billion dollar uh, project for example right and we are the only people um uh, managing and reporting on on the progress of the construction project for example so at some stage, I have more than forty people full time over there at, at, at Rapid as well. So that that's how we started, uh, really just doing that part. Uh, then uh, straight away again, uh, the drone industry started to uh, uh, sort of uh, st- started to mushroom around the world. You know, some people were doing uh, something similar to us as well, and uh, we decided that we need to have an edge. We need to be better than all of those guys, right? So then we started to go into uh, data side. So then we said, hey, why don't we look at critical infrastructure? What's critical infrastructure? National grid, for example. We started with that in Malaysia. Now our solution for national grid monitoring is already being used in Japan, in the Middle East, in America, in Canada, in Europe, in Latin America and all that, starting here in Malaysia. <laughs> Even in Australia. We, we started here then, we went to Australia first, and we are now exporting this globally. So from that now we have done wind, we have done uh, uh, um, solar and so on and so forth. We do road, highway, bridges, uh, you name it. So uh, the idea here is that uh, we provide. Uh, first of all, any solutions have to be solutions that make sense, solutions that make business sense. So what are they? Solutions that is faster, better, cheaper, and safer, right? Otherwise, there's no reason for them to change, right? People has been uh, doing this uh, for, for donkey years, right? The, the manual method. Some use helicopters. Uh, some use uh, uh, you know your your crane. You travel a Along the line, and they do inspection, and it's an incredibly slow, dangerous, you know, uh, and and expensive process. So just like any digital transformation, you are looking at solutions that uh, can disrupt that process. So we came up with the solution: Hey, instead of you using your helicopters, use our drone. Instead of you use engineers to do this analysis, use our AI uh, to do this analysis. Guess what happened? We are able to save them up to twenty percent of their costs. And not only that, we do our process four times faster as well. So that that make uh, perfect sense for for the customers to uh, to use our solutions, isn't it? Right. But of course, it's not easy too, right? I mean, it doesn't mean that everybody. Uh, I mean, if you have something that is already working, uh, that there has to be a real compelling reason for people to change. Even when people in the beginning, when they see the value too, right? If there is no top down push. Uh, to adopt new technology most organizations just say let's just do business as usual so we do a lot of engagement as well uh, to let people understand the value of our solutions and all that so yeah so so that's how we started so uh, we started um, in 2015 early 2015 and 2014 uh, today we are in thirty-five countries. We are five hundred people now. Uh, the guys just asked for, for approval just now. They want to hire another hundred people next month. You know, as well. so it's a, it's an uh, exciting time for for us right now. Actually.
0: it's cr- it's crazy, man, Cameroon. Because um, and, you know, I, I look at you, and you 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 are as enthusiastic and as excited and as. Um, uh, activated as as a teenager right but you're not a teenager I, I think you are right about my age or maybe younger um, and it's unusual because <laughs> the, the 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 way you're talking to me now you're you're so you're so positive and, and energetic it's it when you talk in I'm smiling because I'm enjoying it as much as you do um i I want to go back to your Kelantan day because when you talk about Kelantan, right Kelantan Kl- people have a reputation for being entrepreneurs right and I think uh I also heard that the women are more entrepreneurial than the men. Apparently, I don't know whether that's true or not. So, in your case, your mum, your dad, both of you, what is it about Kelantanese that are so so entrepreneurial?
1: To, to be honest, I, I don't have an answer. I've been wondering the same. <laughs> you know, I, I think. Is, is be, it the CL <laughs> or is
0: it the Makan <laughs> or what?
1: I I think probably probably is the DNA. You know, I, I I think it's it's a cultural thing. It's been it's been like that, like forever. You know, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> my, my mom, all my all my aunties, my grandma also, everyone. Uh, uh And and of course, some of the men would not like me saying this, but the men are lazier than the woman in content. That's
0: what I've heard. Is yeah. that true? Yeah, yeah because the Is woman,
1: the woman are the breadwinner. You know? But of course, it's, yeah, it's I in that. the past, lah. Like, in the past, I that. Is that
0: true? Is that true?
1: Um at some stage, it was probably true as well. But Klantanese in general are very entrepreneurial, right? I mean, they they, they travel, they they lead. Uh, I would I wouldn't say nomadic, but they they, they like to travel, and then uh, they, they are everywhere, you know. <laughs> and and uh, even even when I, I was in the UK as well, I spent ten years in the UK. Uh, most of the klantanese uh, folks are actually uh, always doing trade <laughs> in one form or another. There were there were guy. There's there's, a, there's this guy that. Uh, would buy cars in the UK and then send back to Malaysia becoming an agent and there's so many I mean people like I, I guess it's in the uh, you know upbringing you know with the programming that we go through as a child right uh, you know uh, yeah. I mean we are formed during our first 7 years of life right so you, when you yes. you're up in that environment you see how uh, you know everyone is taking uh, uh, taking risks everyone is working uh, I would say <laughs> crazy you know crazily crazy hours but the satisfaction is there <laughs> right
0: you know, the other day, right, Kamarul, I was listening to one of my old podcasts with a fellow Kelantanese, uh, Doctor George Lee. He's a doctor, a urologist, and he was saying that in Kota Baru, where he's from, the 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 races all intermingle quite quite openly, and there's a lot of harmony there, which is un- again unusual because KL you don't necessarily see that, right? Um, and and I want to go back again to your to your entrepreneurial background because. I don't want to generalize, but, you know, when you when you read Dun Mahadir's book, The Malay Dilemma, from the early 70s, mid-70s, you know, the generalization is that the Chinese are entrepreneurial. The Indians will go to become doctors and lawyers, and then the Malays will be a little bit more, I, I guess, laid back, for want of a better word. But people like you um, and, and what you've done in Area in 9 is, is really quite contrarian because the other thing that I read about you is, is that you did this your your own way right like frank Sinatra, as you were saying you funded this yourself you got the deals yourself and then i think your your wife also helped you uh, and then you poured uh, like a million bucks of your own savings inside this thing so so explain that that early journey you know 2014 not that long ago it's only about six seven years ago you know and did you do it with government assistance how much of the government policies were involved was nep you know those kind of things government loans was that part of the equation
1: let me let me tell you a story on that. <laughs> so, uh, basically a short answer is no, right. Uh, we, we, we didn't get help from anybody. Uh, in fact, uh, I have this uh, clear, um, how do I put this? I, I'm trying to be uh, polite. La. <laughs> I, I don't want to use hatred. I, I, I have clear uh, descendants uh, for grand entrepreneur. You know, all ah, right, so, okay. I, I, I have a lot of people that actually came to us in, in our early days. They say, hey, you guys are doing great stuff. You know, I can help you get grants. You know, I can get you grants. You know? So, nonstop, I will get this almost like every month, people will come to me. You know, to me, grants would be uh, necessary You know, um, to, to help companies grow and all that. right? but if if there are a lot of entrepreneurs in the past right? I'm not, I'm not sure about now right? at least at least in my early days people would just jump from grant to grant because that's easy money for them right i'm not sure about now because we are never in that that uh, ecosystem so to speak but there was a, a trend at that time 2005 2006 There even people say hey you should hire one person dedicated his job should really just be about getting grants and and to me hey that's not the spirit of entrepreneur. Entrepreneur is about slogging away, about believing in your vision. Of course, you need capital. Of course, you need money. But if you have money, don't go and get money that otherwise can be used for others as well. Right? So, so I was shutting it down. I mean, that was uh, even I would say our internal belief. We wanted to show that hey, you can build an, a company without getting grants. And until today, we have not gotten a single cent of grants from from the government. But of course, the government helped us quite a bit as well. Uh, now, <laughs> not in the beginning. Yeah.
0: So those early days, you just funded everything yourself. La. It was like your own cash flow, your own savings, and your wife was involved as well, right? She was helping you. Kind of like a husband-wife team also, right? Um,
1: yeah, So so we, we, we dumped in about a million uh, of our uh, savings la, or rather from our companies, la, right? I mean, our previous uh, business and all that we put in. And uh, within a couple of months, we finished the one million already. So we were getting worried already. <laughs> <laughs> right, but but fortunately, we we score some uh, long term contracts, long term deals at that time, and it quickly uh, stabilised the cash flow again, and then we started to grow, and we were fine. I mean, uh, it was all organic growth. Uh, it's only in uh, by the time two thousand seventeen, we started to go to Australia, so we started to spend our own, uh, uh, you know, internally generated fund to expand to uh, the first country outside Malaysia. We went to Australia. Then we started to feel the the, the stress on our cash flow as well. Then we have another opportunity uh, to open our operations in London, and then with that uh, another opportunity in EU as well. I said, okay, maybe this is the time that we need to raise fund. Uh, so that that was our Series A. Then we, we closed our Series A in 2018, uh, the first round. Yeah. Right, uh, we have been growing every single year. Uh, some countries are doing better than the other. Then came the pandemic. You know, the pandemic put uh, some countries in in a very bad uh, state. Uh, but there's some opportunities on the other side. So what we have done uh, really is that uh, we developed two engine of growth, while our business as usual, our BAU, is actually uh, slowed down a little bit. Uh, so we developed two new engine of growth, j- just like uh, what Einstein said. With every crisis, there is opportunity, right? The Chinese also say the same yes. thing, right? Crisis and yes. wonder is the same word, right? I mean, it's essentially yeah. the same, yeah. the same yeah. thing. Yeah, Yuneng Yang, yeah. right? So, so that, that's actually what we did, right? Um, we are now. One and a half years now. We are we are close to two years now, right? Already? No, no, no. One year. Lah. We are one year plus. Lah. We are one year, into the, into one year plus into the pandemic. Uh, and I think it's it's not ending anytime soon. Seriously. I, I don't well, think so. Yeah. Well, I don't think so. Yeah. Which is Which is
0: yeah. why we're doing this virtually. Because I, we would much rather do this in person. But, you know, it's it's quite dangerous. I, I want to get more into you. Because, you know, when I read your blurb, right? Kamarul, you are... You've got this passion in, in history, right, uh, astronomy, theoretical physics, these are geek stuff, like like real, like deep, deep geek stuff, right, technology, right? Um, how does this interest, and how deep is this interest, right, how deep does this interest shape how you how you form Aerodyne, how you talk to your people, how do you do, um, you, you know, your motivation, your management style, how does that inform all those things?
1: definitely this, this, this actually this is me i mean i've been like this uh, even at, at secondary school i mean i'm fascinated by by the world. I'm, I'm i'm i try to understand how things work you know i'm fascinated with astronomy and and when uh, when uh, um, astronomer managed to uh, for example photograph a black hole for the first time in 2019 i was like i mean like i'm you know it's i'm so elated i mean it's like uh, wow you know uh, black hole was uh, uh, you know einstein you know talk about it that black hole exists but nobody can prove it and here we are in 2019 uh, you know black hole was photographed for the first time and just last month we managed to uh, photograph lights coming out from behind uh, the black hole. Something that Einstein even predicted is going to happen. So, or rather even predicted that so, it exists. Oh,
0: yeah. so, so what do you think this means? What does black holes mean for humankind and for the Earth? What does it signify?
1: Exactly. I mean, that's the question. I mean, it's... Is it
0: time travel? Is it intergalactic travel? What, what does it signify? Well,
1: I, well, you know, just like we orbit uh, the sun, right? All the planets in the galaxy, orbit the black hole. So, black hole is the engine that drives uh, all the solar system, all the the, the, the planets, uh, and the stars around the black hole to to actually rotate as well. I mean, some that doesn't have that, but generally that's the idea, right? So, some believe that black holes are collapsed star, right? Some believes that we are living in a multiverse. So, so that uh, uh, the, the black hole is the access to the other parallel uni- uh, universe as well. I mean, this is mind-blowing stuff to me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to square this person, Kamarul, who is basically a dreamer and the entrepreneur businessman, right? Um, because when you really consider the, the, the infinite possibilities of the universe and the galaxies beyond, it makes what we do on Earth so um, minuscule and so... Uh, meaningless, right? Because there's so many things bigger than us, right? How do you square that? And and do you treat Aerodyne and business almost like a game? Do you gamify? Do you gamify what you do and and well in, in, in so doing have a result at the end of the day and there's obviously monetary results. But how do you view how do you view the world of business as as the person you are?
1: And before before I go to that, I mean you mentioned just now that how small we are and the galaxy, the universe and yeah. all that is so big, right? But guess what we are all one and the same we are part of the universe right we are all made of the same thing we are all made of the same matter I agree with
0: you man
1: we are made of the same matter scattered all around even though this matter only accounts for about 5% only of the visible universe right so but so i do not uh we are minuscule i do feel that we are big because we are part of the universe we are we are one of the universe we are, we are part of the universe okay right? and we all have our own purpose as well and and I, for me uh, my, my purpose as well is actually to do good to humanity, to mankind, and impart impart real change to to humanity. I mean that is actually our mission, and at, at like my personal vision too. You know, so to me, what drives me in doing what I do today is actually to to create jobs, to help solve uh, societal problems, to to solve uh, inequalities. Today we we live in a world that, that there's a lot of inequalities. Right? Uh, people do all the dangerous jobs. You know, they, they put their lives at risk and they earn a uh, minuscule monument, right? So there's a lot of inequalities. A lot of people today uh, became who they are because of where they are born or who they are born with. So to me, what if we can use technology? And then that's what I dream about. You know, how, What if we can use technology so that in the future, perhaps we can help solve these problems of equality? Yeah. So, so that, that's actually what drives us in aerodyne.
0: Okay, so with an aerodine, right? How do you? How have you built the company? You talked about how you're gonna hire another hundred people, and you have got, I don't know, 3,000 3, people now, uh, right? No, no, oh, five hundred. So, you, so you're gonna increase headcount by twenty percent, just like that, right? How do you? Wh- why do people join you? Do Do they join you for the? What What What, what constitutes the appeal behind working with you and and working in Aerodyne?
1: You see, Chang. I mean, uh, our philosophy is very clear for our, for others to see as well. You know, uh, what what drives us? What what's our passion? Right? I I I talked to you earlier about um, uh, you know our why is actually to make real difference. Um, humanity, humanity sounds so big, but let us let's, let's refocus into just Malaysia. Malaysia also. I mean, uh, let, let's talk Malaysia. Malaysia. What, what's our issues? Uh, unemployment. You know, what's our issues? Our global competitiveness. We we are we are not really there yet, at least at the moment, you know, in terms of our uh, technical capabilities. So a lot of the things that we are doing right now, we are proving to the world that we Malaysian, despite all these challenges that we have, we can produce world-class technology. So we put our focus and energy into that. Even and in fact it's one of our biggest challenges as well. So people who join us are people who have this long-term fascination like what we have here as well so what i've done in the beginning is that and this is a difficult journey uh, i'm sure every entrepreneur would share the same thing right so first you you train yourself i mean you, you yourself must have that passion you must have that clarity that vision of what you wanted to achieve but nobody can do this alone right you you need to have a team right so first and you can't build a team immediately so what we did was i built the f- uh, people around me that uh, you know that that believes in in this uh, vision that we have so once we have this, we build a bigger community. You, you build a bigger, multiple teams within the organization. And it's a trial and error process, right? Uh, there are those that doesn't, doesn't fall into uh, the vision that we, we, we wanted to achieve, or rather the way we wanted to do it. That's fine, we, we can part ways in, in a nice way, right? So it is the first, uh, I would say, three years of the organization was about building this team. You know? So uh, by, by the end of the third year, I, I was feeling very comfortable that uh, I have a very strong team, People who believe in our cause, in, in, in our, uh, uh, the French call it the raison d'etre, the reason for being, why we are doing all of these things. Right? So, so, as a result, it's easy to function and work because we are on the same wavelength. You know? So, our decisions are based on the same principles, our decisions are based on the same uh, objectives, you know? at, at least at the management level, right? at, at the senior
0: management level. What about a working level? And what about working level? Because you've got people like drone pilots, and that's a pretty scarce resource, right? They have to be trained. And there's very few of them already experienced out there because it's so new. And then you've got your AI people. AI is another very, very new area, right? And your analysts and things like that. And then you also have grown by acquisition. So there's going to be people from, I don't know, around the world, you know, France or Europe or, you know, North America that have joined your team, and they're very different culturally speaking as well, different backgrounds, different, you know, different race, different religion. So how, how do you make sure they all work well, work, work well together?
1: That, that's the part that I talked about earlier. You have to build your core team. So we, we built this team first before we started to go out, right? Because this, this is important. I mean, this is like your generals, right? So when we go out, these are the guys that actually go out and some of them are even stationed there, right? They, 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 they understand our culture already. They understand our core values. They understand our technology, our solutions and all that. These are the guys that are enabling this to happen. Basically, the, the strong team, the, the strong senior management team that, that I have. Basically. You know, of course, of course, there, there, there are cultural differences uh, that we need to compromise, There are cultural, there are the different way of doing things, different philosophy that we need to adapt. And that this adapt, adaptation process that we went through actually improves the organization as a whole as well, because it, for, even for erudite. We cannot be thinking that we are a Malaysian company. So we made that decision in 2018 that we needed to be a world-class organization. In fact, we ran a, a process where we call WC19. We wanted to be a world-class company by a company by 2019. So we started the process. I mean, uh, basically, we, we put in the structure in place. What we needed to do. There's four pillars about this. Uh, one of it is that we must do things right. That we must be doing the right thing. You know, and then of course each of these have have uh, fourteen items altogether that we needed to do in order to become world class. Right? Uh, again, doing 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 things right is the usual stuff. The quality, the on time, the delivery, the, the, the meeting budgets, and all that—that's that, the—that's a given. Uh, but doing the right thing is the tough part. Doing the right thing also involves having enough resources, making the right decisions. What is the right thing?
0: You know, what is the what, what what is defined as the right thing?
1: Doing the right thing is doing the thing that is aligned to our vision. And what
0: is and that vision? And also doing.
1: Okay, that vision. For example, just now I'll, I'll give you an example. Right, our vision is to be a world class organization. Being a world class organization means we need to be able to deal uh, with the uh, uh, crazy attention to details of the Europeans and the uh, and the Japanese, for example. And we have to deal with slightly laid back Australian. But they also have clarity uh, and, and very high expectations of what they wanted. And perhaps deal with the uh, Middle Eastern that lacks all of this, but they also are demanding in a different manner. And then dealing with the Indians and dealing with the Indonesians and all that. So we need to have that world-class mindset. So changing that requires us to be able to make the right decisions all the time. So we actually come up with the philosophy. How do we do the right thing here? Basically. You know, how do we make sure that we have enough resources? At any time, because we were scaling, right, and at every step of the way, we were finding issues and challenges. How are we addressing those issues and challenges to enable us to continue to grow and so? On? So that that's our philosophy, right? Doing things right, doing the right thing, and at the same time, uh, we also have uh, the, the third pillar, is that we are all shapeshifters. You know, uh, especially in this era, I mean, that this technology uh, 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 industry, uh, it, it changes very fast. What works well in uh, this year, it may not work already next year. and In other words, it means that our horizon must be further. We have to be thinking already, what's the in-thing two years from now? What's the in-thing five years from now? In fact, today, our boys are already developing something that will be the in-thing three to five years from now. So there's a lot of crystal balling boll- <laughs> that's happening in the organization. All right. which, which is this, which is simple thing, right? Today in the drone industry, drones are already smart devices. You know, you, you have drones, drones by itself are stupid, lah. it doesn't do anything. Right? Drone by itself is nothing. Right? Uh, it flies but it became smart smarter because you put smart sensors on it. So that's that's how it is today. But drones of the futures are already aerial robots robots are different than than your fridge for example or your microwave those are all functional devices you know even drones are in that category because it do things that you ask it to do right but to me uh, the 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 future is actually where these drones are smart error robots we no longer control them what's going to happen is that we just give it a mission objective and then we will do it we just approve or disapprove or monitor from afar and that is the equality that I was talking to you about we no longer need to do the, the hard work, the labor kind of work. We make the decision. Is,
0: is there a danger in that though, Camaro, when you give the autonomy to act of their own volition to um, previously inert objects like robots? Because they're getting smarter. They're getting smarter at a far greater, greater pace than humans are getting smarter, right? And Stephen Hawking has talked about it. Elon Musk has talked about it. A lot of smart people have voiced their fear at a robot future. And drones can be easily militarized, right? Um, there will be obvious military applications, if not already done by companies like um, I can't remember. There's a lot of them in America, and and of course in China as well. Um, does that concern you? The a future which runs away out of your control?
1: I wouldn't say it will run away uh, of our control, right? These these robots are our slaves. They are we are the master. For
0: now, these robots should. For now, yeah, yeah. but if you've seen stuff like what you know, Boston Dynamics in America, some of the stuff they're producing is off the scale, right? Um, absolutely. Right? If absolutely. they can grow a brain like that. You see, you see the, way, the way I look
1: at it is this way. Right? Um, people are always afraid of things that they don't understand. right? Even, even in this as well. Right? I mean, the, the, it sounds scary. You, you, you're giving so much autonomy. You're giving so much decision-making and all that. But there are ways for us to manage this. I'm not saying that there's no risk, obviously there are risks, but we can put system in place. Even for example today, even even if you look at the current day of uh, flying drones, there are regulations in place that allow us to decide where we can fly, where we cannot fly, for example. You know, what the permissions that we need to have uh, in order to fly, right? Because at the end of the day, we are talking about how do we um, provide that impact to humanity. The real impact can happen only when these robots are workers that take care of us. And then that's where the industry is going. We are already uh, developing drones that have AI uh, on H itself, AI it can actually detect and make decisions. But the ultimate decision making is always us. We are the owner. Except we do not have to be there. We will get notified, we will make that uh, decision by ourselves, for example, right? So the whole idea about this. Um I know it sounds scary uh, the the future sounds very very scary especially if I, I start scaring you about about uh technological singularity mm-hmm. uh, some people are saying the technological singularity is just 5 years away Elon Musk says it's 5 years generally people are saying this between 20 to 25 years what technological singularity is the time uh, in the near future where the collective intelligence of machine
0: Yes. We will
1: exceed the collective intelligence of human. Yes. And whether yes. we like it or not, it's it's coming. You know, it's it's already coming. Yes. So right now, what we need to be doing and working on is that to make sure that we are masters of this technology. So that that's actually uh, what, to me, the approach that we need to be doing is that how do we harness this technology for our own good. The risk, like I said, I I, I uh, we are totally on the same page. Uh, but to me, um, this is the next step of progress. Anyway, if if we are not in this, then we are even at a greater mercy.
0: For, for you know, for for parents and children who have been locked down for the last fifteen months, right? The device and the addiction, the the, the addictive capabilities of these devices is off the scale, right? Um, I tell my children, don't let the game control you you got to control the game you got to divide uh, de- design the game build the game be the programmer and the language behind the, the game so for you when you talk about being in charge of the robots being in charge of the machines right for parents out there and for children or even teenagers or young adults who have who can have a glimpse into the future because that's what the internet evolved they can see into the future how can people prepare for the future where technology singularity is just 5 years away and that, that that is a scary time.
1: I I I think that that uh, goes back to what I talked about earlier, right? Uh, it's about the readiness of our society here in Malaysia. That is one of our big why. You know, we need to be uh, an educated and informed society. Uh, we need to be to have mastery over technology rather than a user of technology. And and I'm uh, I'm also really glad that this is something that uh, the government is also be, you know believe in this cause. That's why we are seeing a lot of things are being done right now as well in Malaysia. Of course, there's still room for improvement and all that. But at least in terms of uh, uh, being able to have mastery of this technology is something that is a clear focus. I mean, we are doing that ourselves right now. Uh, and of course, it is difficult. That's why uh, even today uh, we are using resources in India. We are using resources in Indonesia, uh, in the US and, and all that. The world is one today. Everything is interconnected. So we cannot just be good in our own country as well. So that that's to me uh, the assimilation of of uh, technology, the assimilations of uh, um, uh, talents uh, must happen now. Otherwise, we get left behind. You know, uh, if if we don't um, you know catch up, I worry for the future generations. And that that is actually one of our big cause here. I mean, uh, our induction every time a large group of people join is actually about having this conversation: how can we play this role? to make sure that we ourselves are ready for the future, how we ourselves can be the uh, the guys that create the future rather than participants, rather than just a user of future technology. So that is the drive.
0: Um, I want to ask you about the Malaysian situation since you raised it up. And I think it's an apt um, conversation to have at this point in time, because for you to want to stay here, and I'm sure a lot of exchanges are looking for you to list in Hong Kong or Singapore or NASDAQ or even ASX, one of those places, right? Because I, I'm sure an IPOs on the cards for you as well, right? What's your thought process about those, those uh, options? And uh, how, how do you intellectualize what's happening in Malaysia right now?
1: Well, to me, uh, Malaysia certainly do have a lot of potential, right? Uh, uh, even today, I mean, we, we, are, we are blessed that uh, we can compare right because we have global operations we can see how the local talents uh, capability are and all that to be honest with you in terms of the technical capabilities our guys are really at par if not better in many aspects what we do not have is the soft skill the 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 uh, design thinking the uh, you know the the uh, problem solving part i mean that that that's just the, the the part that we are facing but in terms of mathematics in terms of science we are we are really there uh, what we are really lacking as well is that uh, the the innovation part. I mean, we are good at the deep uh, knowledge. We we have the expert level knowledge and all that. But how do we build something meaningful out of that knowledge? How do we string together uh, various different uh, parts of knowledge in order to do something meaningful? And then that's the thing that I I am seeing that uh, uh, the it can be industry driven by people. I like guess, right? We we can because even right now, you know, we have so many gaps about. Talents that we needed, we cannot build ourselves in Malaysia, but we were able to actually find them locally. Then, at the same time, we string all the dots together by getting talents from America, by using talents from India or talents from Japan, for example, right? So it's actually we can almost be like the conductor <laughs> that conduct a music of uh, the future technology by bringing everything together and and uh, making a music out of it. You know? So 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 okay. I, I, I'm I'm happy that um, we are producing a lot of talents. You know, um, um maybe half of them uh, uh, ready for global globalness, but maybe not hundred percent yet. But we do have that that talents here in Malaysia, and even even not just. In fact, I do not look at talents just from Malaysia's uh, angle alone. I look at the whole uh, Southeast Asia, for example. You know, uh, we, we do hire from from Indonesia. Uh, we just enter Thailand as well. We have access to. Uh, talent in Thailand, you know, we are already using uh, talent from Vietnam as well. So that, that's that's the way we, uh, we philosophize this whole uh, situation. I mean, we must look at ourselves as a global entity, as a global company with
0: a physical HQ in Malaysia. Okay, so when when you talk to investors and they raise money at whatever Series B, Series C, and as you go through the, the process, what, what, what is the potential? Because half a billion is just the starting point, right? And then I think you've talked uh, in, in the press about going from the IPO down the line, I think maybe 2022 or 2023, right? Um, w- what is the big picture for you? Picture for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we have a we have a timeline, right? Uh, where, when our investors came in, uh, the timeline is five years from our Series B uh, for, for an exit for that, right? Uh, but of course, 24, we have, right? 2024, 2024? Yeah, 2024. That, that's our absolute deadline. That's our absolute deadline. Right? But it could be uh we we could go for an ipo earlier uh it's, it's really you know why why do we go for go for ipo right i mean it's to raise funds and also to have an exit for uh, initial investors right uh, for us uh, let, if we were to look at this uh, uh requirement uh, the exit we already have a finite uh, deadline uh, for our current investors to exit but of course this can be negotiated as well anyway uh but the second part is about raising funds so we do not really have a pick of an issue to raise funds for growth, for our expansions and all that, because if if people believes in you, people believes and understand what you are doing, and people see the potentials of what you are doing, people will want to come and invest in in uh, uh, in, in our potentials, right? So so uh, right now we are not in a rush uh, because uh, raising fund is not really uh, an an issue for us at the moment, right? So so that that's how we look at it. We also are are, are toying at the location where we uh, would. Uh, Uh, go for IPO in the future. Uh, Some of our existing investors are suggesting, hey, explore uh, Japan, Uh, perhaps even explore Hong Kong. Some are saying explore uh, Nasdaq. And uh, we already have an office in in Washington DC as well. So we are actually looking at, uh, perhaps probably our our listing will be in in, uh, one of these uh, various markets.
0: Yeah, because the Southeast Asian story now is very, very strong. Um, Grab is definitely looking at America. Sea um, Limited which runs Shopee and Garena they have a they have a depository receipt in New York but of course they're Singapore based Casam um, and Kacha they raised their money on the NYSE so it's I mean but of course I think Buka Lapa recently has li- is listed but they listed in Jakarta which is interesting and they are 6 billion 7 billion dollars now of valuation. valuation um, it would be quite tough for you to list in Bursa Malaysia right because it's just too small
1: yeah I, I... I, I think at the current uh, situation it's, it's it's I mean the local market doesn't really understand technology the way those markets no, do doesn't. right uh, so so, yeah. so, that, so in fact in fact our horizon is already there I mean um, uh, our investors from Japan are already talking to us let's initiate our process for Japan so we said yeah we like the idea but we're also keeping the options open uh, we are exploring Nasdaq you know we can even we are even uh, exploring the idea of, of for a dual listing, both in Japan and as But then again, I mean, we are talking about this, but it is something that is in our mind, but it's not uh, the key focus at the moment. I mean, that is actually our destination, our our focus right now is really about growing the company, uh, you know, expand, uh, extending our uh, our reach, you know, developing the new verticals to the next level and all that.
0: Yeah. So as a person, right, Kameral, you've been computer computer associates. You have worked custom Chan auditor. You've done the you've done the technology geek thing. You're not entrepreneur. Um, you're from Kelantan. Um, I'm presuming you're around about the fifth decade of your life, 40 to 50 years old. Um, you know, obviously, you've seen a few things. Um, what are your life principles? You know, in terms of maybe in terms of, of um, working life, in terms of personal life, in terms of approach to money and you know the whole uh, dollar sign thing. You know, what, what kind of advice can you give to the young people?
1: Uh, let, let me talk about the philosophy first. Then I'll talk about the the young people. <laughs> okay, our our philosophy is always about fairness. You know, it's about fairness and value creation. You know, uh, um, we do not believe in exploitation. You know, uh, for us, uh, it has always have to be a win win for both. Uh, whatever uh, engagement that we may have is always about mutual benefits. You know, even for arrow ranges, that's what we call our our staff here. Uh, even uh, our arrangement between between me and my arrow rangers, is all about fairness. It's all about uh, uplifting their capabilities, about making them better in what they do, about bringing them to the next level as well. I mean, we have arrow rangers from Malaysia all over the world. now. We're giving them, creating them, the opportunities to travel to learn new things. Uh, and and the way we deal with with the market, with the industry, with our clients as well, is all also always about fairness. Yeah. So 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 the philosophy is one of uh, fairness and equality uh, to all.
0: Uh, that
1: translates in uh, what we do on the daily lives as well in our daily operations. That that's how we handle things uh, between uh, the people here, between us and our partners globally as well. You know.
0: So those are business principles, right? What about life principles? How how do you, for example, balance um, go, growing a business which takes almost all your time with your personal life, right? Maybe your spiritual life as well. How, how do you balance all those things in the air?
1: Well, to me, um, I, I combine my spiritual, spirituality with what I do as well. I mean, uh, you think about it, What is spiritual, spirituality? It's, it's all about bringing you to your creators. And what, what does it mean, bringing you too close to your creators, about understanding? You know, it's all also about humanity. It's about, it's about the same thing. So I do not really uh, uh, you know, make a difference between uh, my spirituality and, and, and my business philosophy. Personally, I'm a simple person. You know uh, um, uh, What drives us, and my wife asks me all the time, why are we working so hard? Why are you working so hard? You're trying to conquer uh, the world, man. You know? That's why. Uh, and 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 it's not the money, really. It's not the money. Uh, you know, for us, that is a byproduct. You know, it, it's it's not even the the objective. What we are doing is that the big why is the big cause. You know, our biggest satisfaction, just like a paternal pride. You know, you have kids of your 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 own. For us as well, right? Our uh, my my kids are all grown up. We 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 got married very early, by the way. So so my kids are all grown up. Uh, my daughter just became an mo uh, uh, this week as well you know uh, my son is working here as well my elders is already uh, also a producer working on the project with dreamworks so that that's paternal pride I mean you work hard you, you build uh, you you give education to the children you give them the, the exposure so that they become someone useful to society lah. they become good good solar basically right so that's paternal pride so the company is also i i would even look at it from that perspective. It's right? uh, the pride to me in seeing the company grows, in seeing that we have good guys over here. They've gone through the process of uh, uh, filtration of, of you know the, the those that are not compatible with us have left, and a new one that comes in. And to see the company grows, you know, uh, every month we are there's hiring, you know, every year we grow to the next level. I mean, it's the, the pride of seeing this uh, growth at the next uh, level and. Perhaps that's something that I can leave my legacy on. You know, I mean, and it's not just me; it's, it's actually the people here as well. Uh, my, my teammates, my fellow footballer on the field. So, you know, we, are, we are in this together.
0: <laughs> you know, one one concept which a lot of people might not realize is the fact that a lot of entrepreneurs they don't see money as being very important. You know, Elon Musk, right? Elon Musk doesn't care. He appears to not care about money. Let me just qualify that. He appears to not care about money, right? And I tend to believe that because he, he's, a, he's a geek he's a scientist he just wants to do something new right um, I get an impression with you as well I just I have that feeling I, I, do, I could be wrong because we've never even met in person you know but there's a lot of people who want to do something crazy but actually money is not, not, not that important it is, how, how does it work for you? Absolutely right. I mean, in my earlier days,
1: uh, it was an objective, but not anymore. You know, we don't really care about money. It, to to us right now, it's all about. Uh, we have this concept here called masoon, m s o o n, making something out of nothing. So it's all about it, 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 that that innovation culture. It's about creating things. And when we when we create these new things, this new thing is something that impact humanity. That that have a lot of that touches people's life. That change the way. Uh, they live, you know. Allow them to do things. But I, I, let me share with you something between me and my wife. We talk about this all the time. You know, our paternal pride goes even to our fellow Rangers. You know, when we uh, hire someone, join us, fresh grads. You can tell. You know, that perhaps they come from less privileged family. Within two years, they can buy a house. They can buy a new car. You know, so we we feel proud to see that transformation in in our people as well you know i, I have people fresh grad can that, that join us uh, let's let's talk about many like uh, simple metrics that people can understand so people are join us perhaps fresh grad salary was 3005 after a couple of years some of them have 10 15000 kind of salary because those that can perform you know the the paternal pride that, that we have that's the, the drive and satisfaction and that we can you know see that people can grow uh, in the organization to us and seeing their ability to create new things that we that I mentioned uh, creating solutions to this overall technology that we are creating people are contributing to each of these technology puzzle because all of these are interrelated so seeing that our team that we nurture from from small from beginning from not knowing much to being able to create this i mean that is you know
0: that, that to me the ultimate satisfaction <laughs> basically <laughs> fantastic man so your approach to money is just as as a means to an end to an end right you uh, you know um Otherwise, it's it's just you know what what really drives you is this is the company is the is the people development and just trying to change the world. I, I guess I guess that's the message you're you're trying to send. Yeah, but but of course we have to make money
1: for our uh, investors as well. Right? Of, course. I mean, that's, of course, of course, it's still of course. important. Is it, the the triple P like people, planet, and and profit profit is still important as well, right? We, we need to make yeah. our our stakeholders happy, but the people and planet is something that is very close to us as well. Uh, we talk a little bit about a lot about people as well. Planet is something that is very close to us. You know, if we look at MIT, uh, there's a MIT uh, studies. I don't know whether I talked about this already, but they are already talking about uh, uh, civilization decline, not too far away, right? So this is something that we all have to play a role here. Uh, that that civilization decline could happen as early as twenty thirty because of over exploitation, right?
0: So this is something. Oh, definitely. Something I think there's a lot of studies which show that peak population has occurred and that birth rates the last two years have declined precipitously across the, the developed world. Uh, don't talk about emerging markets, of course, like Bangladesh and Nigeria and, 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 and in places like India. Um, and some people might also say that the environment has passed uh, the point of no return. I think the latest studies have, have indicated that as well. There's, there's forest fires, there's, there's huge droughts in parts of uh, North, northwestern America, and of course, extreme cold just six months ago. Do you think we are past the point of no return? I mean, not, not that we are geologists here, or you know, but just in terms of where we feel the world is.
1: I, I feel that we are at a critical time, not just for the environment. Uh, this COVID, I think we are just at the beginning stage. I, I think we are in this for a long haul. You know, uh, this is already changing the way we look at things. Uh, changing at the philosophy. I mean, this Delta variant. This is just the beginning. You know, the Lambda is already out. I mean, we might finish all the alphabet basically. Right? So, so, so it's, it's scary. I mean, we 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 have to be rethinking a lot of things. Now, you know, and and uh, I think humanity as a whole will not allow this to. Uh, you know, to, to disrupt us or end us, life, basically, right? So, so even though it has happened before in the past, one of, one of my flaws, uh, fascination is in history, something like this has happened before many, many times. So that cycle has already happened. Uh, but I think uh, um, that we can do something about this. And together, a lot of people are already doing this as well. Anyway.
0: Yeah. Well, since you're a student of history, um, and of course, since the days of the Egyptian scrolls, they have... Um, drawn and of course hieroglyphs as well they've drawn um, um, unidentified flying objects since those days and they, they remain unexplained just a few months ago the pentagon confirmed the, the fact that they saw uh, the existence and, and they've basically confirmed the existence of ufos and ufas um, I, you know as, as a geek yourself right um, i'm sure you read about that what, what do you make of it
1: Obviously, I mean this is a, a large part of, of my life. I mean it has transformed me as well, right? Because uh, to me, um, I'm a firm believer that there's a lot of past history that we are not aware of, and I've been unraveling this this uh, past history myself, and that that cycle has been happening, you know, like nuclear explosion. Uh, 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 we, we first explode in uh, a nuclear device. In recent times, only in the 1940s. But when you ask Oppenheimer at that time, this is only the first time in modern times it has happened before. As well, right? So, so uh, you go to India, uh, you will see, um, um, you know, uh, uh, archaeological site with a very clear um, um, nuclear explosion proof, a uh, uh, proof of explosion uh, happening in that region. It, it's all over the world. So when you talk about flying. Uh, uh, and then UFOs and all that, it's there. The universe is so big, we, we can't uh, say for sure we are, we are the only one here, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's a big place. You know, we're we are just a speck in the sky.
0: <laughs> so with technology singularity coming, with the fact that UFOs are confirmed, with the fact that there's a lot of stuff we don't know, and the world is changing very, very fast, we could, we could be facing a very, very different future, right? What is the one life lesson that you would leave people to perhaps guide their existence into the future?
1: Clarity of vision. We, we, must, we must stay true to ourselves what we wanted to achieve, just like in uh, in any entrepreneurial journey as well. you must uh, be relentless. You know, solving problem is part of the process. You know, uh, the, the differentiator between you and your peers that have been sidelined is actually because they give up. So I think I think what, what I would say is that never give up, you know, just keep going. Uh, times will get hard, especially those in this uh, uh, who's crazy enough to be an entrepreneur. You know, you must keep going. You must keep going. I mean, I went through, as I said, uh, in our uh, last uh, seven years, we have went through nine showstoppers. Otherwise, would have been the showstoppers, but we have been solving them. One of, and I'm sure there will be more in the future as well.
0: <laughs> okay, man, Cameroon Muhammad, you are a revelation, man, and you are fascinating to talk to. Thank you for your time, Erudyne. Um I wish you the best of luck, and I hope you really pop when your IPO uh, in 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 two or three years' time. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you. All <laughs> right.